Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us is Bill Crystal, the Weekly Standard. And Bill, after about 24 hours, President Obama finally stood up and said something uh, of length, if not of great significance, about what's going on in Ukraine. Uh, Not of great significance, and not something that really makes one confident that we're going to do much about this, or um, if you're President Putin watching that, do you think, gee, I really better rein in my guys, or really better... uh, change policy vis-a-vis Ukraine. I, unfortunately, I doubt it. Now, look, I hope I hope that the president does more. Uh, president Reagan's speech, which everyone's watching clips of, and which we posted the whole text of on our website, he gave that about six days after the Korean airline was shut down. So President Obama still has a chance to step up here, but right now I'm worried that there'll be some more talk and a couple of little sanctions, and basically uh, the Russian separatists and the Russian government, more importantly, will feel pretty emboldened to kind of continue with business as usual. So right now, the policy towards Russia when it regards Ukraine is what? Just to keep pursuing mild sanctions and hoping they get tired and go away? Diplomatic pressure, and, you know, presumably they're going to be a little more careful and wary about, I suppose, shooting missiles or planes for a few days or weeks. But what you didn't see in President Obama, I don't think in his speech, was any any demand that Russia would, even that the Russian forces withdraw, that Russia cut off aid. To the separatists, that Ukraine be uh, Ukraine's territorial integrity be restored. It was a pretty um, passive response, I would say. So, if you were looking for a red line in to to, to <laughs> dig up a phrase that the White House doesn't care for anymore, when it comes to what Russia and its uh, pro-Russian friends can do inside Ukraine, is there a red line? I mean, honestly, that's a good question. Uh, I didn't see one. Uh, I mean, I assume they're going to just decide it's prudent to be a little more careful on their use of missiles against planes for a while. But basically, um, yeah, no, I don't think there is. I don't think this president president laid down a red line, which he backed off from. I suppose the lesson he's learned from that is not that we should enforce red lines, but we should never have any red lines. So now it's all just mush, and, um, and we see the consequences of that around the world. Uh, the president also, I thought was interesting, uh, took a few moments to speak about what's going on in Gaza right now. Where do you see uh, Israel as far as how far down this road of you know using the military option to try to bring calm in the future? Is everything going according to plan? Anything? Have you seen anything that surprised you? I mean, it's hard to tell. I think what you see with Netanyahu is a serious political leader doing what he has to do, being obviously prudent in the use of force, reluctantly using it, uh, using a little more with the ground troops when it, when it turns out that you can't get to the tunnels from the air and that that's a real threat. So I think he's, he's showing what a serious uh, leader who wants to defend his people and defend the borders does. And um, so far, at least the U.S. has mostly left him alone, which is good, though I see Secretary of State Kerry is very interested in getting Qatar to mediate. Qatar is a terrible mediator. They've been very unhelpful in the past. They've been friendly to Hamas. Uh, the leader of Hamas spends a lot of time in Qatar. Egypt, which is the appropriate mediator, and which in this case has interests pretty coincident with Israel in terms of not letting Hamas uh, bring war to the region, uh, we actually seem to be sort of giving Egypt the back of our hand. So that's a little more in the weeds, I guess, but just as a matter, I was talking with someone who used to work on Middle East policy, as a matter of just kind of diplomacy and and helping, you know, strengthening the hands of the people you want to be stronger in this uh, region and, and not strengthening the ones who aren't very helpful to us. I think we've got it all backwards. Secretary Kerry thinks that Qatar could be really be helpful. Now, I keep thinking about the, you know, application of force. You know, America is war-weary and, we, you know, 
people argue there are plenty of reasons to be so. You know, Israel is war weary, and yet they're choosing right now. You know, they have a targeted mission. They want to do something about the tunnels. They want to try to get the number of missiles that are fireable down to try to do something about the barrage that they've been living under for years. And then you take that idea and you bring it over towards Ukraine. And when I say application of force, it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, military force shooting at people. But, for example, simply putting some American arms in the hands of the Ukrainians. Or how about this idea, Bill, Bill putting American people in forward spots with the Ukrainians so the Russians know, look, if your pals start shooting over here, they may hit an American, and you don't want that to happen. But I just don't see any clarity of the goal, what we want to do, what we want the outcome to be in Ukraine, or any clarity in the individual ta you know, uh, uh, tactics we're taking, for example, not even providing weapons. No, I agree with that. We're not providing weapons. We're not saying no missiles should be shot at planes, period. It's just too dangerous. Uh, it's dangerous to the people, even the Ukrainians. It's, uh, of course, unjust and terrible that they get killed by Russian-backed separatists, but it's unbelievable. You know, it's obviously more shocking when a civilian airliner gets shot down, but I don't think the president said, you know, we are going to enforce, in effect, a no-fly zone or no-missile no zone uh, in that region, which is something we probably could do, or at least uh, say we're going to help others do. So, um, or at least say we're going to hold Putin responsible and ask him to do to say that you know relations with him will be severely impacted if he doesn't get serious about curtailing his his agents there. So you're right. I mean, we have no strategy. Accordingly, we don't have much in the way of tactics except for the president sort of hoping that Putin becomes a little more reasonable. Uh, the other of uh, uh, I guess as we would call an international crisis that Americans are focused focused on is the one right on our border, and it's interesting. You know, we get that Russia's complicated and Ukraine's complicated, and you know, what what do we really know? The Israel and Hamas that definitely brings up <laughs> complications going back quite a while. But you'd think it would be relatively simple to have an enforceable border and to say to hundreds of thousands of Hondurans, you know, uh, El Salvadorans and Guatemalans, no, you can't just come to our country. Is it really the case, Bill, that we can't do anything else except? accept these people and give them lots of our money? It's ridiculous. To the degree that the 2008 law makes it hard to send them back, and I think the president may be interpreting the law more that way than he has to, but to the degree that that's the case, we can change the law. Congress should be moving to do that right away. The president talked about doing that and then backed off under pressure from amnesty advocates. The obvious magnet has been the president's own actions in 2012, giving hundreds of thousands of people here amnesty uh, that could either be reversed or more likely at least made clear that there's not going to be anything further along those lines again congress could pass such a law maybe the senate wouldn't pass it maybe the president would veto it but uh, i think we could the president could, of course could turn things around incidentally where are these people coming from they're coming through mexico mexico can enforce its borders when it wants to it used to be very tough in fact in enforcing its southern border now there's all the you turn on tv you see you know people getting on rafts and floating across the river into mexico uh, we have a lot of diplomatic leverage in Mexico. We don't seem to be using that at all either. So, yeah, the president's totally passive as we have this ridiculous, out-of-control situation on the border. And his one request is for $4 billion just to spend on these people. I mean, $4 billion, really? I mean, it's really, you, you almost can't make it up. Uh, the head of Department of Homeland Security told a Senate group yesterday that we're spending between $250 and $1,000 a day, a day, housing these unaccompanied minors i hope it's the bellagio bill because for a grand a grand a day you should at least get unlimited game playing tokens 
it's really unbelievable, isn't it? I mean, obviously one wants to be humane, and to the degree we hold them for a week before sending them back, they should be in decent quarters and all, but it's, it's totally out of control. And then for the president, instead of, well, again, it's just you almost just can't believe it. Instead of moving, instead of ordering a thorough review of our laws, regulations, and practices to speed up sending them back and figuring out how to do that as quickly and as efficiently as possible, he's doing the opposite. He's housing them and going to Congress and and he's housing them, dispersing them around the country, it seems, without the knowledge, I guess, of local mayors and governors, uh, and then asking for more money to, to pay for bureaucrats to, I guess, uh, process them into the country. It's really, I, I, the more I've thought about it, I've got to say, I've, I've not been a particular, I mean, I have been very hostile to the Senate immigration bill, but in the past I've been moderate, moderately liberal on immigration. Some of our readers have disagreed with me. I, I've been radicalized by this, though. I mean, this is really, this is unacceptable. And I don't think got, you're alone. I mean, yeah. For a long time, you can make the argument that uh, immigration was kind of a, you know, both sides won by fighting about it. But I don't think as you're watching a country whose government says to its own citizens, look, we just we don't have the power to do anything except for to make you pay to care for these people who choose to come here. We have no power to turn them away. We are powerless. I think people who are ambivalent about the issue or who maybe have been sympathetic to the, oh, well, come on, why can't some people come look at that and go, well, that's just beyond the pale. I wonder if there isn't a group of kind of an independent, moderate uh, people who are being, to use your word, radicalized on the issue of immigration by the ineptitude of the current administration. And by the policies. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I mean, you got this, if someone's been working here for eight years and he's illegal and you know, he's been a tax-paying, uh, you know, resident. It's a little hard to know what to do about him. You can debate that as a policy matter. But this, I don't think, is a close call, and I think a huge chunk of the American public doesn't think it's a close call and thinks that the Obama administration is at best feckless and at worst is sort of has been contributing, well, it has been contributing to the problem, uh, and is now doing nothing to fix a problem that it largely caused. So I, I very much think this is something in terms of policy, Republicans, especially the House, where Republicans control the House, needs to get serious on and go on the offensive on. And uh, certainly candidates around the country should feel free to talk about it. And they, they shouldn't politicize it, but it really is a crisis. I mean, it's perfectly legitimate to address it. I think we deserve to know what our elected leaders and our candidates would do about something like this. Well, by the way, I just want you to know, next time I'm in uh, D.C., I'm on the weekly standard unaccompanied minor program, so it'll be $1,000 a day bill for my house. Yeah, I look forward yeah, to that. Yeah, yeah. Send the bill to President Obama, <laughs> <laughs> not to the weekly standard. <laughs> You've been listening to the Weekly Standard Podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.